that Holy Spirit. Now we ask you to grant unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, knowing that the knowledge of you accesses everything that we need to live in life and godliness. Bring that revelation and that wisdom and understanding to apply it in every area of our life. Our hearts might be flooded with light and anticipation as we see more, we understand more of the glorious riches of our inheritance in you, the exceeding greatness of your power released towards us who believe. Miracle working power, authoritative power over the enemy. We truly might walk in the midst of the storm having firm foundation, firm footing, remaining in the place of faith and peace and joy, love, goodness. So we thank you for utterance tonight. Teach us tonight, Holy Spirit. Teach us things we need to know to move forward. Show us things not yet seen. Speak to us things we've not yet heard. Thank you for revealing to us that which you have planned for us, strengthening us to walk in it. We give you the glory, the honor, the power, majesty, deserving of you, God, for what you'll do in every heart and every life by your word and your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good evening, church. How are you? Praise the Lord. Good to see you, even in the midst of the snowstorm. But, uh, you know, you pray for snow and moisture, and you get it, and then you're like, wow, this is a lot. But uh, praise the Lord. It's good news. Why don't you greet three or four people around you? You uh, Then you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Youth, you can be dismissed. the Lord. Once again, good evening. want to join, welcome everybody who's joining us online. Uh, welcome. Glad that you're with us. Um, praise the Lord. We're just getting started in new year, looking at things and, and uh, looking at what God has uh, planned and what God has prepared for us and what he's preparing us for. Uh, because he's preparing us for what he's prepared for us. So when we op, uh, arrive at that place, we occupy that place. It doesn't occupy us. And uh, how many times have you come upon tomorrow and uh, it fully occupies you, right? It fully occupies you, begins to create worry and stress, and, uh, you know, it just comes up on you. Wow, I was doing good today, and then tomorrow came with its trouble, and now I'm totally occupied with what this brought. Well, that's just a strategy of the enemy. So uh, we as believers are going to learn to navigate that, occupy that not have it occupy us. And therefore, we, we keep that path. We keep that firm foundation. Uh, we're not here and there and up and down uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, but we're, we're stable. And, you know, just to prepare you, there's great joy. There's great excitement. There'll be great uh, times uh, of reviving, moving of the Spirit of God. But generally, living a blessed life is kind of boring. It's proven throughout Scripture. If you read it, right, I know, I know the exciting people who always want movement don't like that, but it really is. You're blessed. You're healthy. You're whole. You're wise. You're strong. And if you're not careful, you look around and all the drama, and you're like, what's wrong with me? I'm at peace. And so the devil just leads you into drama for the sake of drama, the sake of needing some excitement 
but yet you have everything that you have need of, right? And so really the power of God isn't about all the stress and overcoming day to day, letting the devil just kick you around and then I need help today, but it's really beginning to be so stable that we're carrying something so powerful, so stable on the inside of us that we arrive at other people's drama with the anointing and the answer for their drama. Praise the Lord. So we don't need a lot of drama in the church. There's plenty of drama in the world. And as people come in, we'll have enough drama for all of us to minister to, right, in our relationships. So uh, we, wanna, we want to be ready and prepared for that. And as of yet, if we look at it, most of us aren't prepared for that. The enemy drops something in the middle of our day. We're doing great. Drop something in the middle of our day. Boom. So uh, praise the Lord. If we understand what's going on, uh, we'll see a little bit more clearly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just want to let you know of a couple of things uh, that are coming up next week. You don't want to miss next week. In fact, you want to invite some people, uh, gather them. Uh, don't, you know, don't be timid or shy. Just tell them you need to come uh, here. The people who are going to be here, Rick and Denise Renner, are going to be here. Uh, just going to be impactful. Great time together. You know, God, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. God has given us some really divinely appointed relationships here. And uh, uh, people he's anointed in a great way, right? And so, you know, we don't put people higher than others. Uh, God doesn't do that. But he anoints people for specific purposes. And so they have an anointing on their life to equip us in a further way. And so, you know, we look at it as a little bit. God's prepared some gourmet meals. You know, he always prepares uh, a meal for us in the presence of our enemy. And uh, I'm good with meat and potatoes, but God gives them some things that are really tasty. And uh, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, time and so they're going to be here a couple weeks after that. I don't have the exact dates. You can put up Marshall and Cindy. Uh, do you have those dates? If you don't, just look them up. They'll be here uh, February the fourth and uh, morning and evening. And they always bring a great word. Teachers, pastors, um, lovers of God, and so uh, they're just tremendous. They've been connected with us for years and years and years. And um, always bring a word to impart to you. Then in March seventeenth and eighteenth, I think it is. Pastor Mark and Trina will be here and bring a great word of God to build our faith in some way and, uh, and, and really uh, the move of the Spirit. So uh, we're looking forward to that. I believe God is lining up uh, some, uh, some of the gifts in the body uh, to impart to us, so you don't want to miss those. Mark your calendar. We're trying to get out ahead enough so that, uh, praise the Lord, you can plan on those things and be preparing in the midst of your calendar uh, to be present, to have God uh, impart by his word and his spirit into your heart. If you weren't here this morning, uh, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, want to give you an opportunity to give. We're so thankful for your giving, uh, the supply that you bring. Praise the Lord. Gospel's going out in many ways, and I believe it's going to increase yet more and more. And there's new territories uh, to be taken for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, God's bringing and stirring things to be able to do that. And um, praise the Lord. So we appreciate your giving. We're standing with you. Best year that you ever had. You say, well, we always say that. Uh, we believe that God just keeps getting better and better. Even if circumstances get worse and worse. And you know, sometimes when circumstances around you seem terrible, you coming through that with God can be your best year ever. Sometimes we look, man, the best year ever, I didn't have many trials, I didn't have many circumstances, things went well, I was healthy in my body, and that's a good year. But sometimes when you realize, I went through some stuff and came out just as good, that's your best year ever. 
So we're just always believing no matter what the circumstances, you're increasing in God, increasing in the knowledge of him, increasing in depth of relationship with him, increasing in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, increasing with anointing on your life, all those things, so that if it's increasing every year, it just gets better and better. One minister said, gooder and gooder. And so we're just believing that your life is getting gooder and gooder. Amen. So uh, I believe you all know they already put up there how you give, and you already did that while I was talking. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Every opportunity we have to give, God, we're so grateful for your blessing upon our life. God, you've supplied every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father. We pray and declare over this people that as they give, it will be given back to them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I thank you, Father. Your word declares a people who lack for no good thing. I declare that over this people, that we will lack for no good thing. And so we thank you. As seed is sown, you're not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so we thank you for harvest on each and every seed. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and pass those buckets. Open your Bibles uh, with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. We've been talking about ready, set, revival. And... uh, When we're talking about Ready, Set, Revival, we've been in Ephesians chapter 4 about how each one of us grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gifts, Um, how he gave those gifts. You know, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The one who ascended also descended into the lower parts of the earth. What is it that he ascended? Uh, Gave gifts to men. And those gifts are to equip the body, uh, equip the saints for work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He's talking about us gathering together as the church, that we are actually raising to the maturity and the stature, the influence of Jesus himself, right, together, as we edify one another. We're not tossed to and fro, we're taught the word, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. Grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Praise the Lord. So that's good news. We edify, we build one another up in love. And so we also have been going back and forth really a little bit and talking about preparing or getting ready for revival, that each one will have their part, their place, whether we look in Hebrews chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12 says that we shouldn't think. And as we begin to talk about uh, in a couple of weeks after Brother Rick is here, talk a little bit about these graces, these giftings that you possess. One of the key things to understand is we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Right. You know, though we don't think so, it's very easy sometimes to begin to operate with the Spirit of God and then become prideful of our own abilities. Right. We'll say it's not our own abilities, but it's called spiritual pride. We begin to look at things in a way. So that's what Paul was saying. God already knew that. He said, be careful. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And then he goes on to talk about these graces, the grace given to him to declare to us. And then there's certain things as members of the body, each one having certain things. And he talks about those things, prophesy according to the measure of faith, right? We're not just prophesying, telling people the greatest thing we've heard or think, but we're talking in in, in accordance or in in measure with our faith, right? Some people could just get something, they say something, but if it had to come back, they don't actually have faith in that. 
So he says, make sure where your faith is at, prophesy. He talks about giving. He talks about exhorting. He talks about hospitality, a number of gifts there that may not stop there. But that place right there and, and looking into the new year and things that God's talked about in the new year, I just want to take time. I, you know, I feel like I'm in good company. I told somebody this the other day. I'm in good company with the apostle Peter, who in Second Peter, you know, when he talked about everything that pertains to life and godliness coming to us through the knowledge of him and developing this character of God, so deeply developing our, our life that we become like him in such an experiential knowledge of him through virtue, knowledge, perseverance, self-control, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. He said, if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, you're becoming more and more like him. He said, if you lack these things, you're short-sighted even to blindness, and you forgot that you were cleansed from your old sin. He said, but now there's an entrance. If, he, if these things are yours, he said, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if these things are yours, uh, an entrance, a wide entrance will be opened up to you into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. So he said, listen, developing this lifestyle opens up a broad area to live in the kingdom. Not necessarily, wow, there's a wide way for you to step into to go to heaven. No, he said, when these things are yours, you realize I am in a big place under the dominion of my king. So now I possess everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness. Why? Because I've become more like him. Experientially, I know him because I've developed the very characteristics that are him. And I'm not short-sighted. My, my sight gets broader. And because of that, I, am, I become more focused or diligent on the things that are necessary. And when I do, I realize there is dominion for me to execute and really to bring about and help other people with. And so the, the Apostle Peter said, I know you're established in these things, but I'm going to keep reminding you. As long as I'm in this body, I'll keep reminding you. Right? So these things, some of these things pertaining to faith, we need to be reminded of. As we take steps forward, we need to be reminded of them. Brother Rick's prophecy, he said, listen, uh, through the turbulent times, do one thing. Stay in faith, you know, stay in love, stay in peace, stay in these places. So faith, even though we're looking at the dynamics of revival taking place, the moment we would get out of faith and simply begin to look to revival, we would be in an issue. The moment we begin to develop the graces that God put in our life, but we wouldn't do it by faith, we would do it by talent, or begin to say, oh, that's my grace, now let me do something, then we begin to think of ourselves rather than him and what he wants to do with the grace that he's given to us. So faith is vitally important to every single area of our life. So Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. If you do a word study of this, it says actually faith being a conviction of the truthfulness of God's word. It would say now the conviction of the truthfulness of God and his word is the foundation of the thing you have a confident expectation for. It's the proof of what you do not see. Clarence Jordan's translation says it like this. Faith is turning dreams into deeds. Faith is turning dreams into deeds. It's betting your life on unseen realities. 
right? So faith is something that takes something that we don't yet see and it brings it into existence, right? So he says, by faith, by faith, we understand. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So we start to understand that the word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharp, it's able to penetrate past the soul, past the emotion, past the thinking, right into our spirit. So that the word of God penetrating, planted in our spirit can grow up and begin to affect the way we think the way we emote, the way we see life, but also the Word of God has substance to it. So even as we begin to operate in graces, the application of God's Word in that grace is going to be so vitally important. Not just the application of psychology, not just the application of our emotion at the moment, feeling somebody's, but no, faith in the word of God and the grace that's upon our life because it has substance to it. So when there was no light, God said, let there be light. And in his words were the substance to bring light to be. Right? So the worlds were framed by God's word because it has substance. And that substance not only brings expectation, But through that expectation brings manifestation, right? And so this may be redundant to you, but just open your ears to hear what God wants to say to you today. Because if you can access the grace by faith, that substance that's in the word that you're believing in, it can bring transformation. It can bring things into our life that are incredibly uh, powerful. So uh, just for a moment, turn over... um, where do I want to go here? Praise the Lord. Turn over to First uh, Peter. Chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 6. Kind of ended here this morning. But um, as we talk about, you know, turbulent times coming, understanding, you know, just when you think you're, you're, you're about to get there, you know, even the Bible says, you know, beware a man, beware when you think you stand, lest you fall, right? So we think everything's great, but the enemy, he's always working to try to figure out a strategy against you, against Christ's church. So he says, therefore, it says, God resists the proud. He gives more grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. This is verse 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that you, he may exalt you in due time. In due time. So, again, as we start to talk about what God wants to do in each one of us, not thinking ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Revival begins to spring forth. People start to come in. What's my place? What's my part? not thinking more highly of what we ought to think. We can think we know everything that needs to go on, but he says, humble yourself because it's about accessing my grace. And see, we, we get in a hurry. We hear something from God, and immediately God shows us something. Most people, there's a few patient people around, but not too many. God shows us something, and we see it so clearly that we got to have it right now. But... 
God works in this way that he's really not just necessarily talking to you about right now all the time. God has to speak to you about your future to even get you concerned in your future. But once you see your future, he has to prepare you for your future. Because it's your future. If you were ready for it now, it wouldn't be your future. It would be your now. <laughs> so he's something, showing you something that you need to pray, prepare for. But you're like, man, that's me. Let me after it. And he's like, if you waited for just a second and didn't think you knew it all right now just because I told you about it and humbled yourself under my hand, I would protect you in your time of development so that in due time, I could turn it over and expose you for the influence I created you for. So I said, many of us get out there, we run out on our own. We're subject to the enemy. He's about to talk about that. He will exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. So when we get excited about revival, we get excited about these things, we start figuring it out. And once we figure out what we should be doing, we start to carry a care. Somebody's not doing what we, we want them to do. It's not going as fast as we think it should be going. Somebody else is in my way. It's somebody else's fault. Some, he says, if you got all that, just give it to me. He knows what to do with it. Casting all your care upon me. Whatever it is, you say, well, I don't care if we move and have a revival or not. I got other problems. Cast those on him. Because he cares for you. He doesn't want you carrying those cares. He doesn't want the enemy defeating you. So he goes on. He says, be sober and vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. Praise the Lord. So he says, you know, just be watchful. Be sober. That word really just talks about abstaining from wine. <laughs> That's what it says right there. That Greek word, nepho. He said, abstain from wine. Then it goes on to just say, keep sober, be discreet, be watchful, which is really, he just says, be watchful, be temperate, right? Be circumspect about those things. Be vigilant, persistent, because your adversary is walking around looking, seeking whom he may devour. So, you know, in turbulent times when people are uh, seeming like stuff's moving all over, the enemy's going to be watching and listening to us. Mm -hmm. Watching and listening to us and developing a strategy based on what he sees and hears. So he plays the long game. He's a strategist. He pays attention to what bothers us, what doesn't bother us. What we say about what bothers us and what we don't say about what bothers us. He pokes us to see what we'll do. Throws it out there to find out what's a strategy that I could begin to set up so that I can devour their life, God's plan for their life. He's the devil. He is not good. He is evil. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we have to be vigilant about it. We can't just say, whoa, man, I got this going. Do we have authority over him? Yes. But he says this. He says, so, verse 9, resist him steadfast 
in the faith. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. We don't talk about that very much, and we won't spend too much time on it tonight. Maybe we'll do a series on suffering sometime. I don't think we need to do a series. Uh, Probably every single one of us have had a series of sufferings from one time or another. (laughs) And he says, that's okay. Don't think something's wrong as long as you're staying steadfast in the faith. He said, because in that place where it seems like you're suffering... God is working to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, again, there's the things that come that there's time and it seems like it's suffering. There's things that the enemy brings. And then there's things that we bring on ourselves. So we're generally not talking about the things we bring on ourselves. We can correct those by repentance and obedience. Praise the Lord. But God is working through some things that the enemy is doing and strategies that he's doing to bring about a completeness to our life if we'll remain steadfast in the faith. So when the enemy comes, he says, how do you resist him? In the faith. Well, sometimes we think just in the faith is, well, I believe this or that. But really, there's that stance of confessing the word. There's that stance of believing the word. But there is that place where he comes to do something, and there is the application of the word. In other words, if I know the word, I can confess the word, but I can't apply the word to that strategy. I can't do what's necessary. Then I'm lacking something in resisting the devil. And he usually wins there. We confess it 152 times. We say it, we say who we are in Christ. I am this in Christ. I'm believing I'm this in Christ. But somewhere I am this in Christ. So you can't have it. And the moment we know who we are and we act on that, he cannot take anything from you. The moment we know and we stand in faith, Stand in our righteousness, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. My breastplate of righteousness, right? My belt of truth. I'm clothed in it. It's a part of who I am. It's what I wear. Not that I put on and take off. I put on the armor of God, and I leave it on. It's part of who I am. It's part of how I respond When the enemy attacks, I don't respond with worry and doubt and all that could happen. I respond in truth. And I stand in truth. And when he says you're not worthy and you'll never measure up and nobody likes you and everybody hates you, I stand and say, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, what does that mean? I have a relationship with God and he is my shield and my buckler, my rock and my fortress. It's in him that I trust. And because I'm in relationship with him, you're not going to get me off course. I'm not going to act differently just because you're pressing on who you think I am. I know who I am. So go ahead and bump against my heart now and then. Because you'll find out that it's firmly established in my righteousness. When you come with anxiety and stress... I go into that place of right standing and fellowship with him. And I set my feet down in that place of peace. I won't get unstable 
but I have peace. So we're resisting him. There's more armor, but we're resisting him steadfast in the faith. Amen. And so when that's coming. And so when it comes, we want to remain strong in faith. So I want to just share a couple of things tonight about being strong in faith. What is faith? Faith is a conviction of the truthfulness of God in his word. Faith is adherence to his word. Faith is a reliance upon his word. Faith is a faithfulness to his word. Right? I stay faithful. When the enemy comes, he's going to find out, will you stay faithful? Or do you have little faith? You had faith while things were going good, but when it was pressed against, we had doubt. And see, sometimes we just throw up our hands, and that's frustrating. But he said, listen, rejoice at the trying of your faith. So I don't like the trying of my faith. I would like to think that I have faith. But when things don't go your way, how's your faith doing? But when we get established in his word, in him, Believing and trusting in him, no matter how it outcomes for me, I trust in him. The devil makes threats against my life, and I say, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I burn in here or if God delivers me. I'm staying with God. Like the three Hebrew children, Nebuchadnezzar. He's just like, you bow down. They said, ain't happening. He said, crank that thing up fire seven times hotter tried to scare them and they just said however hot it is I mean if I was going to die in the fiery furnace seven times hotter isn't going to kill me seven times hotter right so the enemy will just try to get you shook up if he's like I'm going to kill you you're like okay I'm going to kill you real bad okay then I'll, I'll yield but that's what he does to get us to move if we don't move he makes a uh, an increasing threat, and we don't realize we're like, oh my gosh. But he couldn't do, if he couldn't move you off the first thing, the next thing really isn't that much different. So we stand and believe God. And when we believe God, we, we have to understand when we're thinking about a moving of the Spirit of God in our life and really amongst us, when we stand in faith and say, I'm not going to be moved, and the enemy comes to press, he meets you there. The Holy Spirit's power and might meets you there. So you're not standing against the enemy in your might and your power, but by the spirit of the living God. And so we like a lot of flash, but boy, when you need the spirit of God to stand with you, there's a move of the spirit of God. When you back the enemy off by resisting him and he flees, there's something of the spirit of God and the power and the might of God moving in that. And so we resist him in the faith. But, you know, through a period of time and a, a number of those sufferings or, as, as, you know, one person put it, you know, the enemy just comes and uh, like a boxer, he'll just start jabbing. You know, we, again, we like the knockout and the enemy would like the knockout, but he usually can't just knock us out because our faith is being tried. God said, wherever you say you have faith, then, you know, this might be a weak analogy, but just stay with me. Wherever you have faith, right? So you don't put a lightweight boxer in the ring with a super heavyweight. 
The outcome is already determined. But when we hear the word and we embrace it, we say, I have faith. God says, okay, you're ready to get into the ring. You can, and I know you're able. I got you. But we step into the ring, and the enemy goes, and we're like, oh, no. And God's going, get your faith up. <laughs> right? Moxers, when they do that, he's like, get your hands up. We're like, Poof. you know, Rocky. He always had to get your hands up, dummy. He's just hitting you in the face. So we get in, we have a measure of faith. And we get in there and like, okay, devil. He's like, Poof. and we're like, oh, God, why do you hit me? Because you're in the ring. Your faith's being tested. Get your faith up. And when we do, he's like, but when we realize, like, no. But if we keep our hands down, he'll just go, and you're just, until finally he's got you so wore down a jab at a time a jab at a time, that what? (sighs) I'm just done with this. And either you get out of the ring, or he goes, So he said, we need to strengthen ourselves in faith and realize that even when God says, I won't allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with it will give you a way of escape. So always a way of escape, but he says, I'm not going to put you, allow the devil to get in the ring with you that you're not ready to get into. But when you say, I'm ready, baby. Give me, give it to me. He'll say, all right, here you go. And the devil says, we'll check this out. So God says, listen, if you really got a handle on this, rejoice. Whoo! It's time. It's time. I'm ready. I'm ready because I recognize the adversary, he's going to come, and he's going to take some shots, but I have what it takes to block those shots. I have what it takes. So I rejoice in that, right? So part of strengthening our faith, I'm getting ahead of myself, but part of that understanding about strengthening our faith is patience. Patience. Right? A fighter has to be prepared, has to have run and trained himself for 10 rounds, 12 rounds. Used to be 15 rounds. I don't even know what it is now. He may, it may only go three rounds, but he has to be ready to go 15 rounds. And he has to be patient, working to find How am I going to gain the advantage over the adversary? How am I going to find the openings? How am I going to use the skill or the faith that I have to render the devil helpless against me? And if I've trained well, I get in rejoicing, knowing that over that period of time of maybe taking a shot but getting my faith up and giving back through action, resisting him, putting him down, I end up with the victory. 
But in the middle of that, he gets in a few blows. I don't know what I'm doing. I go to the corner and I sit down and I say to the trainer, to, to my manager, what is going on? And he says, you're standing flat-footed. You need to move around the ring a little bit. What is that? Wisdom. Wisdom. Just standing in the corner, wondering what's going on. Even though you have your guard up, he's going to pound you. Get out of the corner and start moving. What is that? Wisdom. So he said, when you're in the ring and you're being patient in the trying of your faith, if you lack wisdom, you don't understand, I thought I had this. Why am I getting hit? Why does it seem like I'm getting defeated? Stop for a minute, go to the corner, go to the prayer closet and say, God, what's going on? And when he says you're flat-footed, don't go, but you don't understand. I'm tired. No, when he says, start moving, start confessing, start loving, start forgiving, start giving. He's giving you wisdom, application of the faith. Keep it up. So that as we're moving through life, we start to realize, wow, I'm suffering a while. Well, no, I'm just, I'm in the ring. And I'm trying my faith. And it's being tried. But when I come out and I don't have the victory, whew. but that doesn't mean you are a rock star in faith. It just means if I do that a few times, I might move up from lightweight to middleweight. And then if you win at middleweight, you might move up to whatever the next weight class is. And so we're in a process of time. We're in a process of developing our faith. And so many people say, let me jump in, let me jump in the heavyweight ring. And they're getting pummeled. So I'm not talking about, let, oh, well, let's don't do anything. I'm talking about let's figure out where we're at, where our faith is at, where the grace is at, and begin to a place where we will be strong in him and in the power of his might. So turn over to Hebrews or, or Romans chapter 4. So there's a continual understanding. Again, this may be repetitious for you, but it'll be a reminder that I hope that we'll all go back to in the days to come. Learning from Abraham, who really began with faith that God said, man, that faith was accounted to him for righteousness. And yet 25 years later, and the trying of his faith in the middle was, will you believe God or do it your own way? And he, they did it his, their way, not out of faith, but they just thought, well, we'll help God. We, we got this figured out. And so, you know, he went through 25 years wondering, well, I believe the promise. And he could have got weak in faith. So if we get weak in faith, then we would be subject to the enemy. So, you know, this might be a bad analogy if you've never watched fighting, just believe me. You know, sometimes you have somebody win a fight, and then they think they've got it. And so preparing for the next fight, they don't really prepare very hard and uh, work out very hard. And so when they get in, they're a little heavy, they're a little lethargic, they're out of shape, and they're not as strong. And then they get beat, and they wonder why they got beat, because they were supposed to be the champion. 
Well, they got weak in their strength. They got lax in their ability. So as we go through time, in different areas, we're going through time that it doesn't seem like, you know, we're, we're being tried too much. We have to still in, continue to not grow weak in faith, but be strengthening our faith. And so here, Abraham, it says, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. In other words, he didn't uh, uh, acknowledge the circumstances that existed and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. So, you know, sometimes when things aren't going our way or they're not in our timing, we begin to consider the circumstances and we begin to waver. We begin to waver. He said, but he didn't do that. But he was strengthened in faith. How was he strengthened in faith? Giving glory to God. Giving the glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also well able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So if we're going to go through and go into a time of tumultuous times, we are going to have to make sure we don't grow weak in faith. So how do I not grow weak in faith? Well, one way is glorifying God. Make sure you continue to have a place and a time of praise and worship before him. Make sure you have a time that every promise of God that you know of for you and individual promises that you believe God has made to you, that you keep praising him and giving him glory and reminding him and yourself that he is able to perform that which he promised. And God has obligated himself to his word and the promises in his word. The promises he made to you personally, you have to examine and say, did God make that promise or did I have him make that promise to me? I promised myself that God would do that for me. I promised myself God would make me that. <laughs> Come on. Some people just quit in faith because they say God didn't do what I thought he would do, what he promised me. What was that? Well, where would you find that in the Bible? Well, that's just what I wanted to be. So we encourage ourselves in, in the faith. We have to continually go to the promises of God and praise him and thank him and say what I haven't seen yet but I know is your will. I'm declaring that you're able to perform that which you promise. This time frame is really not the big deal to me right now. I'm looking for the very end of that which you promised to me. And I am knowing in this time that I'm not seeing it, that you are developing something in me in relationship to you that will strengthen me so much that I will see exactly what it is that you want me to see. So that I can discern, I can know. I can know the timing. Right? Because there are things that are for a appointed time. And as I trust him and I encourage myself, there will come at an appointed time. We don't know why that appointed time. We're not sure, but we can look at this particular scripture and know that there is something that if you read the Old Testament, you don't see until Paul gives you the, the view of the Holy Spirit from the New Testament. We read the Old Testament, we're like, what's wrong with that Sarah lady? God promised she's the one who can't have a child. But Abraham's well able to have a child. We know that he can because he had Hagar and had a child. 
But it says right here, what was God waiting for? He was waiting for a time. What was that time? When Abraham as well as Sarah could not have children. Saying he, waiting for him to be. So that this child would be of God, not of them. Right? In his own body. So you're wondering, well, what's, why is it taking so long? God, why is it taking so long? I mean, I thought you were going to work in Sarah and something was going to happen. He's like, well, I'm working in you as well. And so sometimes we're waiting like, God, why don't you do something with all these situations so it'll come to pass? And he's like, well, I am waiting for that time, but I'm also doing something in you that when that gets done, the appointed time. And many times we're the ones, by not glorifying God and strengthening ourselves in faith, just waiting in faith, just saying, Okay, whatever. Whenever it comes, I'm waiting for it to come. I'm waiting for the manifestation. When that doesn't come, it's like, God, you let me down. He said, no, in this process of time, I'm working something in you. In you, in me. That when that click over in your faith comes to you, in me, and me, in you, I can bring it to pass. But if we grow weak in faith, we move a little bit away from that instead of into that. Does that make sense to you? So that glorifying God and getting in his presence and praying, not about what we want, but about who he is. About what he said to us and what he is saying to us. And how we trust in that, rely upon that, and believe in that. Begins to do something in us. To create a depth of faith in him. A depth of faith in him. Not a depth of faith in the outcome we desire but of faith in him. So many times it, it, seems like, it seems like semantics, but just stay with me. Sometimes we think of it like, okay, I have a financial challenge, and I need that to take place because I've done some things and I need a certain time. And so everything is predicated on that time, and I'm believing God. He's supplying my need for that time, and I know God's going to supply that need for that time, and that time comes and goes, and we're like, But see, God's not really worried about the time. And see, that's when we go like, he doesn't care. The time came and went and I'm in trouble. Well, that really wasn't his issue anyway. But if we'd quit worrying about the time, and we'd involve ourselves in him, the time would be taken up in relationship with him, which would allow him to do something through us that would take care of the situation. If we believe he's the provider, then why do we keep having our focus on the provision instead of the provider? If I have somebody who's going to provide for me, I'm not just going to go, I'm looking to the provision. I'm looking to the, I'm going to go to the provider. <laughs> right? We get to looking at the healing and we go, get to looking at the circumstance of healing. We keep looking at the healing, looking at the healing, but the healing comes from the Healer. So if we have faith in the healer, healing comes. If we have faith in the provider, provision comes. If we have faith in the prince of peace, peace comes. So faith really is a development of depth of relationship with him. And so we start confessing his word just like him. 
What did he say? How did he say it? Praise the Lord. So that acknowledgement. So Philemon, verse 6, you know this. He said the, the, the effective communication of our faith or transmission of our faith becomes more effective by what? The acknowledgement of every good thing that's in us in Christ. Every good thing that's in us in Christ. So I want to encourage you that as we move through in the, in the days to come, instead of observing you know, whatever turbulence may come, and they'll come, and you'll have to observe them to some degree. But just like Peter began to sink when he observed the, 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 the tumultuous waves, but if he'd have kept his eyes on Jesus, he would not have sunk. And so the enemy's strategy is to get your faith distracted onto the turbulent times, the circumstances, situation, and get your eyes off of Jesus. Who is the one that if I keep my eyes on him, in him, in me, is going to take me through whatever tumultuous time presents itself to me. Because the enemy is going to come with that for one thing, to damage or to steal your faith. To distract you and to bring doubt and unbelief in him. You can look and say, it ain't happening how I think it should happen. And I understand that. I'm not trying to be hard. I understand that. I do live a life. I, I have had disappointments. <laughs> There's been disappointments. But when I examine it and want to go, he always leads me back to him. He always leads me back to him. Because he is the one. He didn't make that happen. The enemy came to still kill and destroy. He is the one who saves my life from the destroyer. He's the one that preserves my life. He's the one that heals my life. He's the one. So when things happen and I think I'm doing everything right, I think, man, I did everything right. He says, don't, don't start wrapping yourself up in that. Come in and let me come in you, and we're going to work through this, right? We always want to know who did it right, who did it wrong. We're dealing with him. He doesn't make mistakes. So, and we, if we start trying to figure it out, the most efficient thing to do is hide ourselves in him. So we strengthen ourselves by coming to him, praising him, acknowledging him, acknowledging everything he's done for us. In Christ. Not what the enemy's doing to us, what he's doing for us. Then secondly, just this, this easy thing, we've already talked about this. You have to be patient. Amen. Be patient. What patience means is not like, wow, this, this stuff is happening. I can't wait till next year. Maybe it'll be better. No, that patient endurance means to remain under or remain in. So in the midst of trouble, I remain patient with him and the testing of my faith produces patience why why do we need patience we said this before the enemy's playing the long game he set up a strategy to figure out what you're feeling he's listened he knows when it's short-term faith he knows when it's whoo hallelujah in church and by the time you get home 
I hated that word. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah, I'm going to live that by the time you get home. I don't know if I can do that tomorrow. He's watching all that, or if it's sustainable. So he's taking time with his strategy. So when he comes, if immediately we're off track, he loves that. But when we know, listen, I'm in this for the long haul. So when you come, I'm in it with Jesus, believing the word of God, standing on it until I come out the other side. And the formation of Christ-likeness in me through that circumstance is going to take place. You say, how do you know that? Because the trying of your faith works patience. And when patience has had its work, you'll be complete. Complete. Well-developed, matured, lacking nothing. So the trying of our faith and the remaining in that place, not running from it, not faltering, not going away, is actually forming something of Christ-likeness in us through that period of time so that we actually come out more mature, not less. What does that mean? More mature means the enemy is in trouble because he's not dealing with a bunch of babies. He's not dealing with a bunch of weaklings. He's dealing with those in faith. And so he says in that time of patience, we should be seeking wisdom. Wisdom. And so in this period of time, we want to strengthen faith. And you can do it. You can do the Bible study. It's there. There's a, a number of things uh, that you could do. We, we may do a small group some time in the year with it. But there's a lot out there right now with John Bevere's Awe of God. But the Bible says in Psalms, Uh, 11, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Proverbs chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The knowledge of the Holy One. When we're in the middle of a test and a trial, we get impatient, we get anxious. We want to get out of it. And we all understand why we want to get out of it. But God says, if you could remain in there with me, and you could begin to rather than fear your circumstance and what it's going to do to you, fear me. Instead of being overwhelmed by your circumstance and complaining about what it's going to do to you, be in such awe of me, I will begin to give you the application of my word to your circumstances. And in seeing how to apply my word in this circumstance with me and with my leading. And to apply my word in this situation, in this circumstance. You are going to find out how I deal with your circumstance. And I never fail in your circumstance. So he said, this is why you stay patient. When your faith is being tested. Why? Because that patient endurance is strengthening you in the midst of the test. And it's completing something in you. So that when the next test comes, the next trial comes, the next temptation comes, you don't bite it because of your immaturity and your own desires and become enticed give birth to sin. 
But the next one that comes, you're strong enough to say it's not my will, but his will. I'm used to not living how I want, but living in him how he wants. And now I'm stronger than I've ever been to take on the trials that come my way. Praise the Lord. And to develop that which is in me so that as we begin to minister to people in the midst of a reviving and an awakening of the church and the prophecy that was given to us, our feet are on the ground, solid ground. Our faith is not what's happening around us. and Our faith is not even in the miracles, whether they're happening or not. Our faith is in him. Our faith is in the miracle worker, not the miracles that we see. Because there will be false signs and wonders and false prophets in the last of the last days. And even in the midst of revival, there will be those coming and saying, I'm him and I'm not him. And he says, there's got to be some level with all that going on. There will be God moving in those manifestations. But there has to be some level of when we don't see it, we trust in him. That he's the one that brings those things to pass through his church. Not us making it happen. And so it's always a checkup. Where are we at in our faith? And as Alan said, there's a place of understanding, are we serving mammon, getting weak in our faith, or serving God? Because when God nudges us and we say, you know what, maybe not today. Read your Bible, continue strong in faith. You know, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. God, I need something in my life. Well, why don't you go spend time in the Word today? Not today, tomorrow. So pretty soon we start finding out I'm not growing in my faith. I'm getting weak in my faith. But if we will stay in that place of praise, prayer, the Word of God, and in getting into that, we're patient. We play the long game. I'm not getting, I've been in the Word. I've been in the Word since the first of the year, and things aren't turning around. And we do that. I've been trying that. How long have you been trying that? I've been doing that for three months. Some people have had a longer time. They may mark years to that. When you say, I've been doing this, it still hasn't turned out my way. There's an adjustment that needs to be made. So I'm really not looking for my way. I'm looking for his way. Right? Abraham said, I think I got this. Sarah said, we could do it our way. Just take my maidservant. That's just about as good as me. But that was their way, not God's way. God had a better plan for Sarah and Abraham, not Sarah, Abraham, and Hagar. So sometimes we could figure out how it could work, but he knows how it does work. That's why we put our faith in him. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you. We're so grateful for your word. It's truth, it's life. It's health, it's strength. It brings knowledge and understanding and wisdom to us. I thank you, Father, as we approach the days to head, that we, uh, even as Pastor Tasha said last week, that we put that word first place, knowing that that word has power. That word has substance. That word believed in our life, faith put in that word, will dramatically change. Because if we put faith in that word, we put faith in you, the author of that word. When we put faith in you, nothing 
is impossible. So strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds. Help us to be even more diligent in the days to come to make our call and our election sure by applying the word to our life and allowing it to transform us from who we've been to who we are in you. Thank you, Lord, for the transformation that you have planned in every single life that by your spirit, as we give attention, we are becoming more like you in character, in anointing, in love, in wisdom, in knowledge, in all the attributes of who you are. We've been washed of sin that we might become more like you. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.